this is Chris. Hope you're doing well and welcome back to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. I was doing some reading on college tuition recently and somehow I was shocked all over again at the price of an education. The average cost of tuition at a public in-state school right now is around $10,000. It's about $40,000 at a private university. So when we're faced with numbers like these, saving for your kid's education, it can seem like a lot to take on by yourself. And even when using a tool like a 529 plan. So this made me curious. What if other people in your family want to help you out? Can they do it? Do you all have to put the money into the same 529 plan? How are taxes handled? I had a lot of questions. So I reached out to Mark Russell of BetterWallet.com and he was kind enough to let me bother him with all these questions that I had sitting on my mind. For example, I don't have any kids, but I have a niece. If I want to contribute to this 529 plan, I'm assuming that there would just be one 529 plan that would exist. Would I be able to contribute to it? And then would I get some type of tax break? Or how does that, how does that arrangement work if other people other than the parents want to put it? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. You have two options. You can either put the money into a 529 plan for your niece that someone else owns, like your sister or brother who is the parent of the child you can get a deduction for that. Or you can open up your own for your niece. You do not need to be the parent in order to open up a 529 plan for the child. So I I have two. I have one for future Mark Russell, which is not here yet, not even a thought. (laughs) That's a completely different strategy. I'll talk about that later. But I also have one for my goddaughter, um, my best friend's daughter, um, Isabella. I've been putting money into it ever since she was born. So I put money in, their parents can put money in. But over time, I'll probably just transfer it to her dad and, and mom and allow them to manage it. So that's something else that you can consider. And then every time I put money into that 529 plan, I get a deduction. Got it. Okay. So it's the person who owns the plan who's going to get the deduction, right? If they put, I don't know, $5,000 into my 529 plan that I own for their daughter, they'd also get it. But oh. they would have to go and have the paperwork showing that it's actually going into the 529 plan. Yeah, it was an extra step because they're not going to send them. I'm assuming they wouldn't send them like tax documents. It's just not their account. You can do it, but it's really convoluted. <laughs> like it could be sometimes hard to prove that. So what I would normally say is like, if you really want the state tax deduction, just open one up for them and then get that state tax deduction and not have to worry about all the complexities of it. Yeah. But I've seen times where someone said, hey, like I'm putting money into a 529 plan. I don't own it. I should get a deduction. And the IRS said, okay, it's cool. No worries. You had to make sure you had the documentation and all that stuff that comes along with it to prove that it was going towards that program. And I'm assuming then there's no problem then with like the parents opening a 529, grandma opening a 529, me opening a 529, all for the same person. Like there's no issue with multiple people having this account for the benefit of that one child. Yeah. So everyone and their mothers, your next door neighbor could open (laughs) one up for your child. I mean, it's a little creepy, but they (laughs) could in theory do that. They would need a social security number, which I don't know how comfortable you might be with giving them that. But like anyone can open one up. The only limit that comes along with that is not the limit of how many accounts, but how much money is going in. Hmm. And they tend to have really generous contribution limits. There was one state, I'm trying to, I just remember the number. I don't remember the actual state that went along with it, but the limit was $370,000. A year? Cap. Or total? No, um, in total. Okay. I was like- <laughs> you have in aggregate between all the accounts. Ah, uh, okay. 
there was only like five times that I saw someone hit that limit. And I'm like, you guys are clearly taking advantage of the 529 program. <laughs> but they were able to do it. And they just wait until money had to come out for their schooling and they put more money in. That was the limit. And most of the limits are all the ones that I've seen have all been plus 300,000, mm-hmm. which if your kid is going off to school right now, you probably will need less than 200,000 in order to send them. I really hope it doesn't get to the point where college is <laughs> exceeding that limit. But I mean, the track record is not looking like that's uh, not a possibility. I was running the numbers prior to to this interview. I was like, how much will it cost if my child did the same thing that I did in 18 years, assuming that they were boring today? It was about $100,000 for me to go off to a four-year university. And granted, Penn State's not all too expensive, especially if you're in-state. So four years, that was for me. Given the increase in tuition over the years, it's going to be close to two hundred and five. dollars thousand two hundred and five thousand for four-year wow. university in 18 years and the reason why is because average inflation is what like three four percent this year is kind of wacky but you know average inflation three four percent um, historically tuition is a right around eight percent per year mm. it's going to be really expensive for our kids to go off to a four-year university again like you could use the 529 money for anything but the majority of people use it for college And it becomes more and more important to invest for college, given how expensive it is becoming. Now, that begs the other question, like, well, like, why don't we deal with the issue of rising tuition rates? That's something they're trying to handle in in the political offices. And uh, you have to vote for that to happen. (laughs) So get out there and vote, y'all. Yeah, exactly. And I know this is going to go live after voting is already closed, but <laughs> I hope you voted and uh, make plans to vote the next time it comes around. Uh-huh. Yeah, because that's the biggest issue, right? Like we shouldn't have and I'll get off my soapbox in a second, but like we shouldn't have to do what we have to do from an investing standpoint in order to send our kids off to school yeah. in order to better their future. But they need to take care of the issue at the root. And I think yeah. that yeah. comes down to holding these schools accountable to not raising the rates in the way that they are. But that's something that uh, we'll have to handle at another time. <laughs> yeah, I'm right with you up on that soapbox. Uh, college is way too expensive. Yeah, because I mean, when we think about the student debt issue that we have in the country, it comes from people wanting to better their future by getting an education. And they feel and they know they need to get that piece of paper from a four-year university or whatever. And that tends to be really expensive. And yeah. when you graduate, you're in this giant hole of debt and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Exactly. Other countries have proven that. <laughs> so hopefully we get to the point where that's taken care of. But as we know, that takes a long time. We get to the point where you have a lot of reform on college tuition. So the only thing you can do is prepare and control what you can. Vote, prepare, and invest <laughs> under the bucket of, of preparing. Those are very wise words right there. Very wise words. There are a lot of changes that are needed to our education system, so I don't want you to blame yourselves for being overwhelmed with handling these costs. I just hope that the conversation we just had it helps you prepare in some way or maybe, you know, expose you to something that you didn't know existed out there. 
But if you enjoyed what you heard, or you want to connect more with Mark, who was a guest on today's episode, you can find him at betterwallet.com. You can hear him on the Better Wallet podcast, or you can find him at Better Wallet all across all the social media platforms. Oh, and you know what? If you haven't already, come join me on YouTube. The link is in the show notes, or you can just go search for Popcorn Finance on YouTube. Because in addition to video versions of all the podcast episodes I've been putting together recently, you'll also be able to find bonus content that didn't make it into the final finished podcast episode. Because, you know, in order to keep these things bite-sized, you know, I often have to cut parts of my conversations that I really enjoyed. It is a painful experience. I spend hours agonizing over what gets to stay and what ends up getting cut. So instead of them just disappearing forever, you can find extended versions and bonus clips on the Popcorn Finance YouTube channel. So come on over and join me. As always, I appreciate you joining me here for another bag of popcorn. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, boy, keep it popping like Mary Poppins.